0: Tina koto, Tina koto, Tina koto katoa. ko tokumonga toku maunga. Ko, oh, sorry, tipu Yeah, I'm nervous. Okay. Um, <laughs> ko moana Atlantic, Tokumuana, Kotinana o karaiti, toku iwi. Ko taku no Africa no Afrika Kititonga, tonga e ko aotearoa, toku kāinga. Call David Fisser, Toku Matuatane, core Ingrid Huskisson, Toku Fire, core Anthony Gardner, um Toku Tane, core Aaron Raua, call Chloe, Oku Tamariki, call Claire Gardner. Aho. Hello. Um, that is my Pepeha or Mihi. Um, it's a Te'al Maori way of introducing yourself, and I just like to do it because it's the first time I'm up here preaching and it just tells you a little bit about who I am. So um What I said is that um, the mountain that I'm connected to is Table Mountain, the sea that I'm connected to is the Atlantic Ocean, Um, and the people that I'm connected to is the body of Christ. My family is from South Africa, but Aotearoa is my home, I'm a Kiwi, um... My dad is David Fisser. my mum is Ingrid Huskisson. my husband is Anthony out there with my two kids, Aaron and Chloe, and all of this is who I am. I'm Claire. Um, I'm brand new to the preaching team here at North Porero Baptist Church. I'm very nervous, bear with me. Um, I'm going to start today with a poem. Um, it's called Heaven's Surprise by J. Taylor Ludwig. I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's doors, not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights or its decor, but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp, the thieves, the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics, and the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice, and next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Herb, who I always thought must be rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged, Jesus, what's the deal? I would have loved to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet so somber? Give me a clue. Child, he said, they're all in shock. They never thought they'd be seeing you. (laughs) Good, isn't it? I've heard it lots, but I still like it. (laughs) And while it's a funny poem, there is a bit of truth to that as well. How quick are we to sometimes be judgmental of others? And we all know that God's expectation of us is that we will love one another. And we all know that Jesus said, Love your neighbor. And by neighbor, he doesn't just mean your physical neighbor, he doesn't just mean the people who are easy to love. God wants us to love the world and everyone in it. So I wonder then, how loved does the world feel by us? Are we loving properly? Are we certain that absolutely anybody could walk through our church doors and feel the love from us? Or can we be only certain that most people would feel this way, but know deep down that maybe there are some out there who if they came in, they could feel judged Today's world talks a lot about feelings, a lot about um, love and feeling good. Um, And I wonder, is it even possible, is it that important that all people feel loved by us? Because is that really the indicator that we're loving properly? Can't I love someone while righteously hating their sin? And also, the world's idea of what love is is so different to what biblical love is anyway. Um, Maybe holy love, you know, it rejects sin and it just makes people feel uncomfortable and that's just the way it's going to be. You would have heard phrases like, um, love is love, love yourself, screw the haters. Um, They're very common sentiments in today's culture. And all of these things, they do stand for something good, but ultimately they can be quite surface level Shallow, purely based on emotions. Um, but it's what our, it's like what our culture's into. Like we've all heard these things. It's all about feeling good. That's no surprise to anyone. That's what people live their lives for these days, just to feel good in themselves. And if I don't feel good, well then there's something obviously wrong. And if you're the one that made me not feel good, well, you're just a hater. Stuff you, I don't care what you think. I can say what I like about you. Um, Yeah, it's pretty contradictory. Today's world appears to promote loving anyone and everyone, but it's very much, if you're on my side, sweet. If you're not, well, whatever. (laughs) It's pretty contradictory. So if I'm confronted with people who hold this view on love, do I really need to make everyone feel loved? no matter what their attitude is? Can't I love someone while righteously hating their sin? And if I disagree with someone on what love actually is and what it means, will it even be possible? Well, as I dove into the Bible with my questions, they were answered pretty quickly and pretty clearly. (laughs) The book of Matthew is an account of Jesus' life, and in Matthew chapters 5 to 7 is Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, And here Jesus addresses multitudes of people. So we don't know exactly how many, but a lot, probably most of the community. Um, And he takes everything they know as truth, everything they know as normal, their current culture, turns it all upside down on its head. Again and again, he says, you have heard this, but I say something else. Um, You know those guidebooks for dummies, the yellow books, this Matthew chapter 5 to 7 is basically a following Jesus for dummies manual. Um, So he covers everything, the whole way of how to live life. So of course he covers loving others in this sermon. So Matthew chapter 5 verse 43 to 47 reads, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? God sends his son to rise on the evil and good. sends his rain on the righteous and the and the unrighteous. There is a recognition here that there is evil and good. There is righteous and unrighteous, but God sends the sun and the rain to all. I'm going to read an excerpt from a Bible commentary which explains this passage a bit. God loves everyone in the world, both the good people and those who are evil. How do we know that? Jesus offers one bit of evidence. God causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on everyone, no matter who they are or what they are guilty of. God is the provider, and he provides good in this way and countless others to all people. Jesus has commanded his disciples to love their enemies and to pray for those who persecute them. And now he gives one reason for doing so. This is to imitate God the Father as earthly sons imitate their fathers. Jesus describes imitating the Father as a way to become one of his sons. Theologians refer to God's goodness to everyone, no matter who they are, as common grace. Jesus has described his disciples as the light of the world God is the source of the light in his people, and born-again believers are the tools with which he distributes his light into the spiritual darkness of the world. One of the ways God shows his light through us is when believers love their enemies the way God loves them. God shows his light through us, believers, when we love the world the way that God loves us. So come on, (laughs) if I am to love others the way God loves me, can I really talk my way out of making people feel loved? I don't think so. God is our refuge, our strength, our safe place, our ever-present help in time of need. And if I am loving like that, as God loved, then you bet people should feel loved and safe when they encounter me. But this is a huge challenge (laughs) to put all judgments aside in order to love whosoever. It's something that we've heard a lot, so it might not, you know, might not sound like a huge challenge. But let me paint a picture for you. I'm newly employed in this church, and. I've taken up an interim pastoral role, so I'm going to be ministering to children and youth and families, and I'm now on the preaching team, so evidently to you as well. And maybe when you saw me up here getting prayed in by Jeremy, um, you might have thought, oh, she's going to you know, be speaking to a lot of people. I don't really know who that Claire is. I am going to get on Facebook and go through her profile to give her the old Facebook stalk to see what she's really about. And... I do that all the time, so no judgment from me for that. So, (laughs) imagine, anyway, if you were on my Facebook profile and you're scrolling through a bit of my life and seeing my pictures, and if you saw pictures of me hanging out with gang members and prostitutes and transsexuals and criminals and whatever, I wonder if the first thought would have been, She is so good at loving people. Look at her go. Or maybe it might have been closer to what on earth were the elders thinking? (laughs) Employing this woman, and why is she hanging out with those people? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. That's John 13, verse 34. We are to love as Jesus loved us. And how did Jesus love us? God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 8. While we were still sinners, God saw the world in its sin, in its failings, confusion, chaos. He sent Jesus to die and save it anyway. He sees the world now. He sees the chaos and the confusion now. He sent Jesus to die and save us. We aren't required to reach a certain threshold of goodness before God will release his love on us. Neither is anyone else. (laughs) Wherever we are, God loves us. Wherever the world is, God loves it. We are to love as Jesus loved us. In Luke 5, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Have you ever had an encounter with someone where you might be chatting away and having a pleasant conversation and they're smiling while they're talking to you and saying nice words, but you can just tell behind it that maybe their attitude is not actually so amiable towards you? Because you can tell what's behind a person's words, right? And so can everyone else. (laughs) It can be hard to change the attitude of our hearts, but if we are to have people feel love and respect from us as they encounter us, it will only come from a heart that's filled with an attitude of love and respect for them. And the only way we're going to get that is if we pray on it and work on it. And until we can be confident that anyone who should come in here would feel loved, we need to keep praying, keep asking God to work on our hearts until we're filled with love and respect for whosoever because Jesus has asked us to. So if we are loving properly as Jesus loved us, then yes, it is important that people feel loved and respected and safe. And that this place on a Sunday morning is loving and respectful and safe for the whosoever because of the attitudes of love in our hearts. As we go about showing love in this world, it is also important to remember that we are sharing God's holy love, not the 2023 version of love. <laughs> Can you think of something or someone someone in your life that you love so much and so dearly That even just the thought of someone coming in and possibly harming this person, like it can cause some emotion and get you a bit stirred up. And it's because the love you have for this person is deep in your heart. And it's not based on making them feel good all the time. It's based on loving them so much that you only want good things for them. In my small human way, the only way I can sort of try to fathom God's love is by looking at parents' love. And this is like what Jeremy said last week. He would not, you know, he wouldn't mind getting on his precious four-year-old Michaela's bad side if it meant saying, no, you cannot go out and play in the road, because he loves her. (laughs) I was fortunate enough to grow up with really amazing parents, um... I still have amazing parents. It wasn't a was. Um, (laughs) They love me and my siblings unconditionally, and I know that I'm always safe with them to this day. I'm, you know, I can call on them for anything. But you bet, when I was a teenager, um, they didn't always give me what I wanted. (laughs) Sometimes they wouldn't let me go out places, um, to drive around in cars with boys at midnight. I mean, they were ruining my life. They were so mean. I thought, come on. Um, (laughs) But there was never any doubt in my mind, despite this, if they loved me or not. Of course they did. Let's just say that maybe, hypothetically, on occasion, I did get out of the house to do things that they wouldn't have approved on. Um, I still could have called them. If I was in trouble, I still could have called them. And I know they would have been mad. But they loved me, and as soon as I was with them, I was safe. I still feel that way now as an adult. <laughs> it is possible to admonish, to warn, to correct, to call out error lovingly and respectfully, and while the recipient of this correction still feels loved and safe. After all, if we love someone with God's love, is not the greatest love of all to be concerned for their eternal soul. And is not the best thing we can give to someone we love that much, a chance to meet Jesus and then support to grow in a relationship with him. We must find the line to walk, loving people just as Jesus loves them, respecting them no matter who they are, seeing them as equals, anyone and everyone, our neighbors in here and out there, but also not getting up in the 2023 version of feel-good go with the flow, contradictory, emotional love. Relationships with people are always tricky, often tricky. (laughs) And if we are to call out people lovingly, I'd say the key to that is that they first have to feel loved and respected by us before we can then expect them to take, you know, an admonishment. Admonishing? Admonishment? um, Well, (laughs) Jesus was known as a friend to sinners. He often got criticized for hanging out um, with undesirables, having meals with people, going to their homes, paying them attention in the company of more wholesome types of people. If we are to follow Jesus' example of loving the whosoever, then we can look to the Bible to find out how he did so. And there are many occasions that we can look to to see how he did it. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 to 13, is the story of Jesus calling Matthew, the tax collector at the time, to be one of his disciples. We find Jesus at a table with many tax collectors and sinners, and the scribes and Pharisees grumble with the company that Jesus is keeping. And this is where Jesus tells them that he has not come to call the righteous but the sinners to repentance. Matthew 11. Uh, Verse 16 to 19, here Jesus rebukes the people of his generation because they rejected John the Baptist for being too tight and they reject the Son of Man for being too loose. And it's from this incident that we get the phrase friend of sinners. And this title was actually heaped on Jesus as an insult by his enemies. Um, They were kind of insinuating that for you to be that friendly with those people um, and for them to like you so much and you're spending that much time with people who live to those morals, while well, you obviously join in every now and then, you can't live your life to such a vastly different set of morals while still being liked by that group, and we of course know that's not the case. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50, Um, right on the heels of that last story comes this one. Um, A sinful woman anoints Jesus with expensive perfume and washes his feet with her tears and her hair. Uh, And Jesus is corrected by Simon to say, um, you know, don't let that sinner touch you. And Jesus says to him, whoever is forgiven much loves much. And Jesus forgives her, her sins and announces your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Luke 15, the first two verses, one and two. In Luke 15, we find the parables of the lost uh, sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son. But in the first two verses, setting up for those stories, we learn that the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. um, And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled that Jesus was having them to eat with them. Um, And then those three parables go on to say how God seeks out the lost and how pleased God is when sinners draw near and repent. Uh, Luke 19, verse 1 to 10, again, the Jewish leaders are grumbling because Jesus has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And this man was Zacchaeus. And although Zacchaeus um, repents and changes his ways and follows Jesus, the Jews can just not accept that Jesus came to seek and save the least and the lost. The likes of this tax collector has been granted Jesus' grace and has been saved. From these accounts, we can see how Jesus was a friend to sinners. Did he come out with a big strategy, 12 steps to reaching the tax collector? Did he accidentally stumble across drunks and prostitutes and thought, oh, I guess I'll hang out with these people? (laughs) Was he just an easygoing, live and let live Messiah who sometimes kind of turned a blind eye and joined in so people would like him and he could keep, keep the feel-good vibes going? <laughs> what we see from this collection of passages is that sinners were drawn to Jesus and Jesus gladly spent time with them. Um, and they lived a vastly different morals than he did, but they were open to his teaching. And Jesus forgave repentant sinners And Jesus embraced anyone who believed in him. Jesus was a friend first, not because he let sin slide, not because he was all about keeping people happy. He didn't ignore the wrongdoing. He didn't join in on any of the immorality. He lived his life to his standard perfectly while befriending people who lived their lives in a completely different way. (laughs) Jesus was a friend, well, is a friend to all of us in that he came to save everyone. And he was very pleased to welcome those who were open to the gospel, sorry for their sins and on their way to putting their faith in him. And like Jesus, we can show love for others too. (laughs) We can firstly accept them without judgment, respect people for who they are. We can gently meet them where they're at without veering from our set of morals and our beliefs. We can spend time with people who live their lives really differently from us. We can put in time and consciously make efforts to have real, open, truthful conversations with people. We can approach others with love and respect and speak to them with gentleness and empathy. And then, when we come to correct people, we can do it with the same love that we would grant our nearest and dearest. So, I mean, I'm drawing to the end. (laughs) I encourage every one of us to reflect on the attitudes of our heart. That's where it lies, in the attitudes of our hearts. It's not going to happen unless we're filled from the inside and it flows out that way. Um, Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you meet us where we are. Thank you that you grant us grace no matter where we're at and even though you're so much more perfect than us um, you love us with a fatherly love Lord I pray that um, you would work on our hearts that you would fill us with your love for others you help us to see them the way that you see them yeah yeah God I pray that um, this would be the start of a journey that we would continue to seek you um, to ask you continually, day by day, to keep working with us and keep meeting with us uh, and that this place would just be so overflowing with your love that um, it would just be so obvious, it would be tangible to anyone who walked in. In Jesus' name, amen.